Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. I'm excited. This is, it's, it's June 17th and this is episode 349. So we're almost at 352. I don't know why that, I mean, it's how many, that 356 really would be a year, but I mean, I know it's eight years, but right, if we are doing it every day. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm bad with numbers. So I am excited to introduce you guys to Holly Chastain. Holly is somebody I've been following for years. Talk about fangirling. I don't know why I was so um, scared to ask her, but I'm so glad I did. She is such, uh, I think it's because she tells such great stories with her collage. If you know me, you know I love collage. She sets it at a high bar, but she's also a designer. So she's gone through this pivot. And then we have the whole, COVID thing. So there's other pivots that have to happen. It's this <laughs> constant seesaw. So I'm excited to have her join us today to give us some insight into how she does her process. And those of you who are illustrators, um, those are of you who love retro, those of you who just love storytelling are going to just dig this one. So Holly, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. This is fun. Yeah. I'm glad to have you and I'm glad to share you with all these people. And guys, if you have any questions, just feel free to pop it in the chat. Just make sure you're doing all panelists and attendees and that way everybody can read your what you're writing unless you don't want everybody to read what you're writing and then just put it all panelists. Okay, Holly, I want you to give us a little bit of background because I was actually super thankful that you were a designer as well because I had a feeling, right? But I wanted to... Um, I wanted to know, and a lot of people want to transition. They want to be an illustrator right. uh, full-time, but they don't really know how to do it. And they, I, I definitely want you to kind of give us a little bit of your background of how pre-COVID, what life was like and um, what life was like before you started focusing on illustration. Yeah, um, pre-COVID, 17 years ago. <laughs> Oh, what is time? Um, so I went to school. I was always an art kid forever. Um, went to school for just general design. I did some general design classes. I kind of skipped all around. A lot of fine art classes, general design classes, um, a lot of business classes, uh, just kind of mixed it all. My mom is a teacher. And so her big thing was we're going to, spread this around. She's always encouraging of me. I don't want to get that wrong. Always encouraging. Wanted me to go do whatever, but she's like, you can get a sculpting degree, like whatever you want to do, but we're going to, you know, make sure that we can always have time to support ourselves and take some other classes, bring some more stuff into the mix, which turned out really great. Um, so when I left school, I got a job in a um, marketing firm, just kind of at the bottom and worked my way up there a little bit, went on to become um, that kind of the head of the art department at another company and did that for years while my kids were growing up and all design, marketing, all that. And then in about 2007, um, they moved my job to Las Vegas and it was the beginning of the summer, June, and I had little kids at the time. They were home from school. So it was like, I'm just going to uh, get back in the studio, see what happens. 
and chose collage because I had never really experienced it before as an adult. Like even in high school, I don't really remember that. So I wanted a fresh start, didn't want to have a lot of um, influences in my head, things like that. So I had a bunch of paper because huge fan of old ephemera just stacked mm. up um, that some people complain about, but not a lot of people. <laughs> and so I, um, yeah, I just dragged all that stuff out and just spent the, num the summer making things. And um, just really, I think starting from scratch, never having taken any sort of a semester in mixed media, anything like that, I think I kind of developed a style very quickly. Um, and then within six months had been picked up by um, Etsy corporate and the jealous curator and things like that. And it just kind of snowballed from there. So um, yeah, designer first, actually artist first, fine art, then designer, and then on to this kind of mix of everything now. So I love that, that you have this, but you actually were also, you were, as your kids were little, you were doing, you were still have uh, working as a designer. You were just working more on contract basis, right? Uh, well, until the, until you're, or were you going into the office for the company that moved to Vegas? Right. So I was going into the office up until that point. Uh -huh. And then after and then, that point. And then after that, the plan was, the plan was to in the fall when the kids started school again, um, the plan was to find something full time or part time again, um, contract work, whatever else. And uh, just, you know, kind of see what happened. And then I kind of was so busy. And plus what you save not paying for childcare kind of factors into that too. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't really go back into an office for I think five, six years. And then it's been kind of um, more now, but sporadically before the, my current design work that I do before that, it was on and off for maybe another five years. So yeah, it's, it's kind of um, just to have a whole day in front of you, um, especially when you're just starting out in a new medium and trying to build um, a style and a voice within a new medium is just everything. I think those three months in that summer is what really put me on a path, you know, like however many years later, it really contributed to a lot of that. It's great to have the room. So you just were taking the summer off to, to so that you didn't have to do any kind of childcare during the summer and you mm -hmm. were going to take a break. It was like a clean break and you were just right. going to play. And that right. was just the medium you chose. Had you been attracted to that medium before? Had you, do you like, did you follow any artists in that way? Cause I mean, getting picked up by uh, those, you pick, got picked up by some pretty big um, players. Yeah. Um, well, I, I had been attracted to the medium before, um, not necessarily the act of mixed media, mm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah. And I, I, I really think that it was the very, very beginning of this huge new collage wave that's come through. And when I first started, I think that, um, Brandy Strickland, I think there are a couple of other 
mixed media collage artist that I knew from Tumblr at the time. It was the beginning of Tumblr. Um, and I know that a lot of, there was a lot of album art, a lot of bands that were starting to use collages, album covers and album work, but it wasn't like it is now. I mean, now there's um, International Collage Day and there's the big collage festival in Louisiana and it's just really, really, really blown up. Um, I, and I, I really feel like it was just right at the beginning of that. So, so I would think there was an artist when I, uh, First kind of got into this was Randall Plowman. Do you know he did a collage a day? Um, oh, that sounds very familiar. Anyway, I'll find a link and I'll put it in underneath. Okay. But it was it was kind of like around the same time. But but you you know I, maybe you're downplaying just because you're humble. But you oh, got you. picked up by Etsy and then the creative. Uh, the jealous curator uh -huh. the jealous curator you got picked up by those two things that's not an easy task to do you must have been one sharing your work on a consistent basis and a quantity of it and right. your the what you were sharing was of such good quality that it was so there's it give it's a lot of hope so i always think design recharge is about hope like oh my goodness if holly right. did this look what she did in the summer you know by doing this in the summer she kind of ignited her this love this new but she also ignited a new a new income stream but also this right a, a new passion for something and telling stories in a new way right yeah yeah um yeah, no, you're exactly right. I I was putting out a lot of work because it was it was the beginning and it was very exciting and I was working. I mean, I had a seven and nine year old at home, so um, you know, around that <laughs> working. Um, Did they do it with all you? the time? Yeah, kind of. I think if they had been younger, younger, then it would have been more of a let's all sit down and do a thing. And I think at seven and nine, um, it's just like mom's work. I mean, you know, oh, right. just, yeah. So it, it was a part of it too, but I, I might, I don't know. It's interesting that my kids, um, even they, they both took art in high school, but neither of them were like, we're going to do this and this is what we're going to do, you know, um, creative for sure. Um, just different avenues. So. Cause your, your I, husband's also a designer, right? Uh, he is a programmer, web designer. Oh, that, yeah. Okay. So he's more, he's more, in, I'm more in the analog bucket and he's over right, here right. in the, teaches me how to fix things when I can't get it to do <laughs> one bucket. Um, yeah, but he, he was an art major as well. Um, he did a lot of um, painting and sculpture and more on that side. Yeah. But okay. Got, so, it in the house. so I, I want people to see what your work looks like and why I'm raving about it. So can you jump into your deck and kind of talk us through, cause you, you actually, um, in 2017 is when I, uh, saw your book, I had already been following you, but then I, you had, you were publishing a book. I def will have a link. I'll share a link in just a second guys, but Holly's going to kind of go through her deck here and it, it just kind of talking us through some of your process because that's the other thing is that your process isn't um maybe what people would necessarily think of like using the back parts of books things like that right um so 
the the book cover thing happened sort of accidentally um i was obsessed with using any like you can see the marks on the piece right now any mm -hmm. writing handwriting stamps marks um i that's my favorite thing that's why i was so drawn to paper medium in the first place um but a lot of times there will be labels from like library cards but even before that labels from um places where books were bought like even old general store labels on the inside covers from kind of like early 1900s and the type it's like the old pharmacy type right it's just so yeah. cool so i had spent a couple of hours trying to peel this label and <laughs> i'll i'll put this on my instagram later the the piece that started all this um been trying to peel this label off the inside of this book cover because I just needed it. So I tried to go in with an exacto and it was like, you start to tear. So you stop. I tried to steam it off. Um, a million different things, just trying to get this label off. And at one point I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it on here and I'm just going to use this book cover as a substrate. And, and I was like, that was, that was fun. And so it just kind of, ballooned from there and I'm still working. Um, I'm still working on book covers a lot. I think it's so fun. Um, I think it just adds a lot of personality, a lot of character that you get just from the aging, um, texture, mm -hmm. things like that, that you don't necessarily have to add. And I think that also attributed to um, the minimalist compositions as well, because I'm already bringing in this element of kind of noise in the background image, um, well, especially that, with ones that have writing and text. There's that sense of unexpected, but this is where you come in. This is where it's, I've seen other artists do things, so I love the minimalist, but there's humor for this one, especially, right? There's this, you have an interesting way of looking and I love it. Uh, interesting, funny, unique, um, clever. I think that when people can you do collage, really well it is so good and i see lots of people very do it fun. but to do it well and that's what you are doing and you have been doing is is i call it magic but like things oh. like this it's just kind of this unexpected little story and you know i don't yeah. know if there's a story behind it but i make up my own story and that i think is what good art is you know I, I well that's allow. that's what i want is mm -hmm. for people to be able to and i struggle even naming pieces um yeah. because i don't want to assign what i think the story is because i'll see someone walking down the street this is this and if my brain's just spinning away i know like where they've been and where they're going and it's just something i've kind of always done um imagination that gets me in trouble and um helps with all of this um but yeah so this piece in particular um we were talking about minimalism and how difficult it is when i teach workshops and in um talking to people about kind of reining everything in um especially in my workshops i talk about you need to assign points to elements basically. So you have buckets um, and they're all worth a certain amount of numbers. So you only have like four or five elements. So have people go out and bring in everything that they like. They like the look of everything they want to use and say, okay, I'll divide them out for them. And I'll say, these are bold colors. So they're worth 
two points. Use some muted colors, these are worth one point. And you have your characters, your clipped images, whatever you wanna use, if these are a point of piece, you pick three. Um, and then from there, we talk about the weight of darker colors versus lighter colors and things like that. So this piece, um, I talk a lot about the darker color, the, the tiny bit of darker color at the top, weighting the bulk of the lighter color at the bottom. And it really helps, it really helps. And there are still some people who are like, well, I don't wanna do that. And I'm like, totally go for it. Like whatever you wanna do, we'll talk about, you know, and you create your own thing. A workshop is not to teach people to make things like I do, you know, it's to offer all of the options and guide. Um, but yeah, when it comes to minimalism, the bucket idea, it really helps. Um, and this is, this is an example of, of one of those where you have a point system. <laughs> So with the point system, this is really interesting. So with the point system, is there a max number of points that is what you would t teach in a workshop of what they should have in a piece? Um, it depends on if you're using a, okay, so substrate like this versus a white watercolor. Um, if you're starting on a completely solid blank surface, then that's gonna be different from starting on a surface like this piece. Um, but yeah, if we're really practicing minimalism, which that's what that is, is the practicing right. weeding out um, mm -hmm. and showing space and room, then I'm, we back it down. So I'll say five points and I'll be like, okay, like take something away and rearrange till you think that it works again. And then we'll get down to like two pieces. And I'm like, okay, put these two pieces where you think that they are balanced and work on a page. Um, and then add them all back in if you want. But it's just, it's an exercise in rearranging and playing with balance. Composition's hard. <laughs> and to teach it, I feel like if we learned it in school and we learned it in college, um, it's ingrained now. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, you go up to your bookshelf at home and you move something a quarter of an inch and you're like, okay. But to go back and tell somebody, you know, in your 40s, so here are the rules. And I'm like, I forgot, I forgot what, why we do all of these things. It's hard to then to voice those because what you want to say is, well, just does that, how does it make you feel in here? And that's not like someone in a workshop is going to be like, I'm confused. I don't know. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. So writing the book was um, a good way to revisit a lot of why we do things and then that in turn helped in workshops talking to people who've never really thought about you know how much weight a color has it just seems like weird math that nobody likes so uh paul says i like that idea intentionality doesn't imply determinism but it does create a system to work within which i think it you know right I think it's really minimalism is really difficult for a lot of people, but I think one of the things in, in your book and as in your workshop is you're teaching design fundamentals, things that we know, but actually it's really important for us to go back. And that's some of the other work that I've seen that really uh, makes an impact to me uh, of your work is scale. You use scale, you use perspective. Um, there's all, and this is even in one of those cases, scale, you know, where you might right. think, in your process, which we'll get into in a little bit, you have the this tiny man and then you're like, I don't know where I'll use him. And normally we would think, oh, we'll have to put him in perspective with, he'll have to be similar size to something else. But right. this is this is showing where 
these unexpected can be really amazing. You're getting love her work, loving this. Uh, Cassia. No, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> um, okay, let's go through a couple more of these. So this is, I picked some um, more minimalist to show. This is an example of, and I'll show you um, when we get off the screenshot, I'll show you some of my clippings. I brought my clipping pile in here with me, um, which is just a pile of people. It looks crazy. Um, but this is a case where this woman was looking, I believe she was looking into a tree or it was hide and seek and there was a kid. I can't remember it. Was, she wasn't looking through a hole, um, but I had clipped her out. I was like, we'll do something with that later. Put her in a pile. And I think it was six months later, um, this book cover, somebody had driven a nail. So the, the hole on the far right side was already there. And it just, and I liked the, the yellow stickers, really. Mm -hmm. I loved those. So um, that book cover happened to be, it came up in my book cover basket that I have of book body parts. Um, and I remembered that lady. And I'll show you my process of clipping later. Um, helps you remember like what's in a stack after six months. But I pulled her out and realized she was going to cover the hole. So then put, you know, the series of holes in. So you're, you're missing a spot. Um, but so were, was this where you were given a prompt or you're just creating? This is just creating. This is personal work. Um, yeah, personal work at this point. Um, this is a Love guy, this one. the book. Um, I think that they're called, oh, I should have brought my book in here. It's so fun. Um, furniture beetles. So they, I, I see these a lot and it's so pretty. They, they come in through cabinetry and then go straight through the end of a book. So if you get a book like this on the outside cover, it's a big hole and you can look down into the book and it just gets smaller and smaller. So you can see the pages. It looks so fun. But this is one of the pages, um, and I did a couple things just kind of playing around with them. This was actually in a show in Nashville last year and sold out of a gallery in Nashville. Um, but I also did a, a series of ice fishermen with the holes in one of these pages as well. I love that. So is this like in the shadow box then? When you sell <clears throat> it, it was. It was. Um, I have several now. I've started kind of op messing with... Um, opening whole books and peeling pages back. So I have the entire book spine included mounted in a two inch like oak shadow boxes. So oh, nice. this one was in there as well. So the bottom, I guess, and this is the picture before it was framed that was just flat. <clears throat> when it was framed, the bottom like two inches were just filled with the paper and when you could move it back and forth and it would move around. So that one was really fun. Um, I play with um, library book pockets a lot. Mm -hmm. They're so fun. Every time I clip somebody who's on a balcony um, or like leaning over or falling in, I'm like, I've got to find a book cover pocket. It's probably one of the only um, one of the only compositions where I plan it that and people who are painting, I always clip them out and do word art and then have the painter in there. Those are the only two things that are actually planned out, and I will look for two things to match together. This is where your retro color comes in. Can you go back really fast? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so this is the other thing that really, <clears throat> I guess, attracts me to you is 
um, you have a way of using color and giving me a sense of nostalgia. Um, I know that the book is aged, right? But I don't necessarily get that nostalgic uh, feel from maybe so much for me, and this is just me personally, from maybe some of the other ones because I, I the guy going down the pole or whatever, but this right. one I really get. And some of them I definitely get. I mean, it could be that they're, this person is more retro-y person, but it is the color and the shape and the, it's like those diamonds are coming to life or it's a flames or it's, it's so unexpected again. And I just love, I just love this. Yeah, I, I think that, so my palette in the first month um, is a lot different, like early, early, early work than even the next year. And I really think that the materials, the colors that I were looking at shaped my palettes. Because even now mm. when I use um, gouache, um, when I'm choosing paint colors, I'm choosing these retro colors yeah. that I used out of necessity then because it was the materials that I was given. So um, yeah, it's, it's still working its way in even that I can, you know, choose colors when I'm painting. So a lot of people are saying this is like great storytellers to a time in, in uh, D's youth, goldenrod, avocado, green seems uh, scream 60 and se 70s. Fabio says the color work is so yummy. Amy says, love the diamonds and the movement. And Cassia says this, I love this. I'm sure it's therapeutic to assemble all of those, especially when you're having these patterns that you're kind of creating. Is that something that it becomes this yeah. sort of? <clears throat> yeah, it definitely is. Um, I, so I did a lot of work. There's a series of pieces, maybe 20, um, where I was making these diamond patterns and using a lot of um, tiny, tiny stripping to make color bands and mm -hmm. all kinds of things like that. It is therapeutic. And these are all cut by hand. Even when I cut circles, I cut them all by hand because I don't want them to be uniform. Perfect. I don't mm -hmm. like the way it looks. I could just use printed paper if I wanted it to be uniform. Um, so yeah, I would take a sheet of one of these colors and just cut out a stack of that color triangle mm. diamond. And then I've had all these little stacks and then I would piece them all in, um, put glue down and then use the tip of an X-Acto blade to pick them up and set them in. Um, and it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. And that was therapy at the time. Um, the new therapy is the next piece, mm. um, the weaving. So this is fairly new. Um, this was my first piece that I did any weaving with, and this was fall of, oh, it was the beginning of 2019, I think. Um, but I actually was kind of bored. I had just done, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was a big series of book cover pieces for a hotel. I think they wanted like 30, something like that. So I had set them all out um, and clipped images and they had a set color palette. And so it just made this big series of original work um and took a little bit of time off because I was feeling antsy and then when I went back into the studio I was feeling a little bored so mm. um I took probably two or three months off and was uh, doing a lot of design work and stuff like that and just left the studio for a while and come came back and started um paper weaving and just it was very therapeutic 
Um, it takes forever. It's very frustrating, which I can really get into little tedious, frustrating things. Um, so yeah, I've got a, a series of the woven paper. Um, and again, I painted the pink salmony color at the top, um, which is the vintagey color. And I painted that because I couldn't find it in a book again and I wanted to use it. Um, so yeah, I mixed, mixed that color, used the inside of um, book cover pages. Um, yeah, tedious, but fun, therapeutic, all of that. So how big is that piece? Like, so the original piece was probably five, six inches, about uh -huh. like that. Um, and then when it came to, I've already, I've actually got a series of prints of these that are about to come out. Um, but I, when it was freestanding, when I made it, the back of it is the map. I think his face was a map. So the back um, looks cool too. It, it lives in Amsterdam now, I think, the original piece. Nice. But I had it freestanding and I was like, I'm gonna mount this to something and figure out a background and going back to the minimalism, I was like, I, I can't, I just, I just put it on white because nothing worked. Like even a more uh, like natural book cover page didn't work. So um, yeah, it was it was toned back with just the solid background. I love it. And then Thank you stitched you. on this. Was this was stitching new? On yes. This? Um, I had used stitching a little bit in my book cover work when it came to people uh, pulling something ropes. I would stitch that in <laughs> and attach it to other things and. I had a crowd of people pulling a Zeppelin at one point and stitched it in and wrapped the thread around and attached it. Um, so I'd been using it a little bit, um, but it started a little bit more after this piece. So one of the biggest questions that I get asked is how, when it comes to editorial illustration, if you work with analog and all this, like how does that translate? Um, I think I, I brought some album art that I've done a couple series because I feel like it really displays the meeting of analog and design work the most because there's just a lot to it. Um, so Buffalo Tom came to me and new album with the piece, the book cover piece that you have here. And they're like, we want to use this as a cover and then show it throughout and build all of the album art based on this. So um, loaded it into Photoshop and completely pulled it apart. Um, so the green came up, everything came up and was put back down. And I think the green at one point didn't work out. So on the edges, I took more paper, painted it, scanned it in. There's a lot of that that goes on too. Finding more paper, tone matching it. So to fill in edges that didn't quite work because this had to be you know, widened certain parts, you know, taken out. Um, so this is how I approach all even editorial illustration. This is a little different because there was a piece that, um, an existing piece that they wanted to use. But editorial illustration, I take um, bits and pieces that I have. I make sure that, I, I usually don't take images that I get online. I work with scanned physical pieces because I just, the texture and the tone and the color and the print marks that you can see, I want all that brought in. 
and just build everything in layers. So if there are changes, color changes, edits, which, you know, there's 18 rounds of those, it makes it a whole lot easier to do. And then this is the full set of work that we ended up with, um, just using that castle shape kind of mm. throughout. Um, and if you've, if you've never loaded a, uh, a template for album art, it is, it is challenging. It's a lot. It'll come back a couple of times. It's, it's probably the most challenging work that I do is album art. Wow. So, and go, oh, ahead. go ahead. And this is another piece for uh, the same guy that was their record store day release. But these were two pieces that I had done just on the backs of postcards. I think they were very small. The, um, these were pre-done already? Yes, they chose those as well. Mm -hmm. And then um, we moved on to, so this was the it was a small seven inch for record store day. Um, mm -hmm. So I had to go in things that you don't think about um, on the, the back piece where it has the hotel and signs. Here there was Conoco, Texaco, like name brands, which, um, you know, we don't want on there. So I had to go in and fidget and just put like some generic signage in there. Um, so another example of being able to kind of manipulate after the fact. So coming in, at, that was where the, it goes from analog to digital. You're producing, you're using your design skills and your Photoshop skills to go in and tweak and edit. You may have created this completely yes. analog. They found the completely analog is what they wanted to use, but you couldn't use it like that. It, even like right. the, the green one, you had to, it was glued down already. And now uh, it, because yes. it was already a piece, but you said when you're doing, and I just want to make sure I'm hearing you right. Yeah. We talked about this before, I think, but I could be confused. Um, when you're working for uh, illustration, uh, editorial illustration, or for a client, you will do each piece individually and then uh, scan it in so that you're just working in Photoshop? Right. So if, um, yeah, if we're starting from scratch, then... Um, I'll get each piece scanned in individually and then put in a separate layer in Photoshop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so you move around, resize, like all of that stuff. It's, it's so easy after that. So what are you scanning it at? Like 1200 DPI so that you have the ability to get bigger if you needed to? Right. So I learned um, early to scan everything. I scan everything. Um, pretty big. So finished pieces, I scan everything to archive and I scan finished pieces around six to 800 DPI, which you don't obviously need that for smaller prints, but I've had um, hotel work, things like that come in and want to print things at 36 by 48. Um, so that it gives enough pixels that you can spread it around. And at that size, you then have to go back in and kind of edit edges and like clean things up anyway. So it's nice, it's nice to have all that to work with. But yeah. a lot of the small pieces, if you scan something obviously at about an inch and you blow it up huge, it's, it's, you only have, if it was printed on a sheet of paper, what they printed it. It's not like a photograph, you know? So um, it, it takes some uh, reconstruction sometimes to kind of make that work. So when people ask, I'm like, I don't know, let me open that. I got to open it and see like how that's going to work out depending on what it's made from, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, I've rebuilt things like a few pixels at a time before. Mm. 
But this is where your design skills come in. So the, the yeah. Buffalo Tom, did you write that? Or was that, because it looks like handwriting. Right. So um, on this album and their album before, um, they wanted to bring in the handwriting on the book cover that was there before. So we did half handwriting um, and then we kind of set in the rest. But yeah, there was my handwriting a lot. And then one of the members of the band has his son write a couple things and he scanned it and sent it to me. So we incorporated some of that too. That was really fun. Nice. It's just really hard to work minimally and have it be so yeah. clever, but you do Thank such you. a great job. Minimalism is very hard. It is. It's it hard. Is. Um, <clears throat> so when it comes to um, edits and sketches, um, I do edits and sketches kind of just like anybody else. If you were, you know, working in an illustrator and things like that. So this went to, um, a children's book magazine in the UK, I think. And so this was my original pitch to them. And then this is how it turned out. So each individual book was made physically and separate. I could hold them in my hand. Um, I scanned them all each in and then stacked within Photoshop. So I could kind of play with the height on those. Mm -hmm. But half of you can, this is a good example too. Like half of the lettering was physically done and then cleaned up a little once it was scanned in. And then there were a couple places where I used um, type and kind of adjusted it a little bit. So it wasn't so typish and kind of incorporated both. Did you do the words growth mindset or was that given to you? That was given. Uh, that was okay. on the template. And then the, um, is the, are the leaves paper or are the leaves painted? They were paper. They are, um, it's the canvas off the front of a book. So <sighs> in, you know, under the book jacket is just the color canvas. And mm -hmm. in, especially the early, 1900s all of the old textbooks and things like that had that canvas but it was a lot thicker um because it had to wear you know children throwing it around and so that's it's just the best material to work with it's so much fun and the color is usually so good and it's a little scuffed up and that's mm -hmm. what um that's what the leaves were i love that thank you another set of album art um so Jamie Lawson sent me pictures of himself to use instead of, cause he wanted to use clipped images. And I was like, there, here's where we get into like um, copywriting issues, right? So was like, I, I don't really feel comfortable with that because he, there was a Time Magazine, I think. And he was like, I want to use this. And I'm like, I, that's the cover. I'm like, we're not going to do that, buddy. Um, but he sent me pictures of his childhood and they had a photo shoot and um so we we worked it out um but that's um, a whole other thing is copywriting issues with collage and um that's when i'm working within magazines i work in this type of collage a lot because you're not worrying about mm -mm. clipped images and using stuff and people ask me all the time well, what is okay to use and i'm like what you have to do is read up on it and then decide for yourself. Like, I can't tell you that you can use that because there's fair use and a certain percentage and like what percentage is just the legs of something. Like it's, it gets right. very swampy. Um, 
so I play it safe as often as possible, especially, I mean, this was Warner Music. I'm not going to use a Time Magazine, but, you know. Right. It's, it's one thing to do a, a poster in town, um, but the higher up you get as far as, like, who's going to see it and how big are their lawyers, then I back off a little right. bit. So what, on the top, wait, I'm sorry, I can't let no, that go. Okay. okay, so one of the things I love about your work is those uh, lines of color that are, I think they're cut paper, but that's not what I got to ask you about. I got to ask okay. you about the the little boy, I guess him as a little kid, uh -huh. is that drawn in or is that cut, those totally, the tiny little lines where he's like, the lines are coming down and then his hand comes in? Yeah, it's it's cut. Um, I had another piece that I had done kind of something similar and he really, really liked that. Um, so those are cut pieces. <gasps> they weren't that tiny cut. They were, you know, about a quarter of an inch. And then I glued them all down and then scanned them in and then made them a little smaller. So, um, yeah, that's a little small even for me. Yeah, that that's, I mean, that's, but it's beautiful. That's the part Thank you. that I just love. And then also just the texture. You're pulling in that texture. I guess the color overlay in the blue may be something you're doing in Photoshop. Um, is Or is that not? Right. So all of the paper with markings were original markings on paper. Mm. The blue on the cover, um, we, I, peeled the markings digitally off of mm -hmm. and then layered it over the top of that blue that he wanted to use yeah. that kind of like tie he wanted scribbles all over the whole thing this is another thing about um well first of all it was warner so i was talking to i was working their schedule because they're in the uk so i was getting up i was working with them from like 4 a.m until about noon every day so I was getting up at three and getting everything set up and then working with the design team at Warner and um, mm -hmm. Jamie and his assistant and his manager. So there's like 20 people involved. Um, this is probably my most stressful project that I've ever had just because it was just so much and so long. And we had a couple of moments where before this design where they were like, we've gotten pretty far on this, but I don't know if we like it anymore. And I'm like, cool um we can start over <laughs> like it's just oh yeah yeah really fun i took a little break after this one but it i think it turned out great it was it was very fun um the lyric book i think was 38 pages something like that of, of setting and type and then they're like oh, this word designers this is design complaining this sentence uh, needs to be this sentence well it's a little bit longer so it's just readjusting and and then all the other pages it was real fun and that was after the art so okay i'll stop <laughs> no i i it brought it brought back feelings i remember the feeling of this <laughs> but so to go with these rays because you use the rays uh, i've seen them used in at other times so that you're it's still in a color palette it's it's a really great way it's just happiness to me it just seems like it and uh, your use of color again super strong i have trouble with this and that's why i think i love those rays like when you use them i'm like oh unexpected again but it's it's such a powerful layout right there yeah it's really fun and a, a thing about doing color rays like that is you think that you know, you just lay them all in, but it takes, I probably rearrange those colors 
putting them next to other colors, you know, 20 times and just read mm. because you move one over because it's not really working with this color and then you set off all of these under. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's really fun. It's another one of those kind of like tedious color matching things that's, that's just really fun to do. And I think I have one more. Mm. Oh, so we were talking about um, copyright images and editorial illustration. This was probably one of the more fun, I say fun. Um, three years ago, um, Smithsonian Magazine contacted me and I illustrated a um, article for them about the flu pandemic of 1912, which <laughs> really came up again. Um, but oh my goodness. Oh my God, it was, I remember sitting in, um, I'd taken the kids to the dentist and I was sitting in the waiting room and they'd sent me over the article um, and it was like a 48 hour turnaround. And I was reading all of these statistics um, and I was like, oh, I'm not gonna let go of this for a while. Um, come to find out, but the fun part is um, they sent me all of these images, the art director there. And so I was about to go into the hole and I was like, okay, well, where did these come from? Do we have rights to these? And she was like, oh, you've got about 400 images that the Smithsonian owns if you just want to look through them all. I was like, oh, this is so fun. So I had free reign. Um, the background of the words was a, a book from a hospital, a military hospital at the time where they were keeping track of patients. Um, mm. So I incorporated that into, they wanted the book cover piece and the edges. So incorporated that into it as well. And then um, they wanted to, and I never do this because I don't like overwhelming people, but um, they wanted two sketches and I think I gave them five because I just kept finding things that were so awesome. And I sent it with apology. I'm like, just, I just pick one. Like, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll weed it back. But if I could get into the Smithsonian's, like archives all the time <laughs> that would be that would be perfect it wasn't absolutely ideal because obviously it was digital images that i was then cutting out um which right. i try not to do but it was a really fun really fun project i loved it so um i'll well I'll, i we got to get through some of these questions because i gotta have that i gotta but i have That's it the end written of my down deck, so to remind timing. you <clears throat> okay so uh, going from designer to illustrator, artist, author, teacher, it's a lot of different hats. Yeah. Um, and you can stop screen share whenever, or you can leave it up, whatever. I think people might. Do you need me to stop your share? Um, Fabio's like, oh, that's a big thing. You got it. <laughs> um, okay. So how have you brought, um, so it sounds like when you're talking to, I, I was asking you, how have you brought your art uh, design into the art you create for commissions or client projects? Um, and I, I think you saying you have 48 hours, holy moly, you can't be um, a sensitive yeah. artist and get the work no. done in 48 right. hours, right? Yeah. So, and, and taking direction is, the, is it just the same as you're, you're utilizing those design skills and the working with clients from all those years from before that help you be a better illustrator for somebody? Um, yeah, I think so. But then again, every client's different. Um, mm. What I try to do in the beginning is illustration, it's, it takes a lot because Smithsonian came back, I think six months later and wanted to do a cover with a 24 hour turnaround. And I was like, I 
I was, I had um, a gallery show opening the next week and I was like, I can't, I can't do that. It's, it's, and not, not all jobs are like that. hours is, is a, a lot, lot of them are. They yeah. are. And especially when they come to you very, very open. So they think they're doing you a favor. Um, and it's very nice, but they're like, we love your work. We love what you do. We have 48 hours. Here's the general vibe and the title. And I'm like, okay, if we and had 400 week, images to go through, right? So if we had, if we had a week, even then we could kind of mess with that, but you're never, ever, 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 ever going to give someone something. And they'd be like, that's it. That's exactly what we wanted. It's at least three times. I mean, it goes back and forth and you get it settled with someone else. And then it has to go back up to the editor in chief and they have to approve. And so it's a lot of no sleeping. Um, mm. And so a lot of times I'll go back in and say, I appreciate the freedom you've given me. Can you give me some constraints? Like what, sometimes if they don't know, I'll be like, what are three pieces that you've seen of mine? What, what did you oh. find that made you choose me? And then we'll kind of go from there. And that helps a lot too. Um, but yeah, reading, reading people's minds is, it's no. not, I know that's what we're supposed to do, but it's, it's just, it's very, it's very difficult. And especially coming off of getting ready for that gallery show and doing personal work for six months. Um, and then this illustration job popped in, I didn't pursue it. So switching back and forth between personal and then, you know, illustration work is kind of hard because even going back to personal work, it almost feels too free mm. to just be like, make whatever you want and nobody is going to say that you know the color's a little weird and so that gets weird too to have to readjust again mm -hmm. to not having those constraints that you asked for for illustration um so yeah the all the switching is hard so bear has a question do you use an agent to get your projects and or do you negotiate your own contracts it's a great question so i i haven't had an agent thus far um I feel like I'm doing too much right now. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm just doing a work that comes to me. So I have a couple people that I work with, um, that I work with like once a year. Um, and then Pinterest weirdly, like I don't market on Pinterest. I don't use it as a tool at all, but I've gotten a lot of illustration jobs that found me on Pinterest. Um, but right now I'm doing work that comes to me. Um, if I got an agent, uh, that would be great. And that's something I'm going to do in the future. But I feel like I would need to be devoting more time to illustration and that bucket. It would be less time for workshops and all the other stuff that I do. Right. Um, so yeah, in the plans, but not quite yet. There's still because a lot you of sell your, going on. You sell your artwork. You are an illustrator. You've written mm -hmm. a book. You're, um, you teach workshops. There's other things, which is definitely what I believe is the best way is not to get all your money from one bucket. Right. Right. Especially so think, now that's really, it's really right. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But because you've been a designer, uh, you understood what contracts were. You'd probably had worked with other illustrator right. contracts and maybe you had some friends or you knew of a agent or you, you had, you had something to kind of go off of, or you had other friends who were illustrators where hopefully negotiating contracts wasn't completely new. Right, yeah, not completely new. Um, and I, I think Lisa Congdon's got a great book, a couple of great mm -hmm. books about um, illustration and kind of navigating all that. 
And I think it just kind of comes from making a few mistakes in the beginning. Um, if you're going to do it all yourself, um, you just kind of put stuff out there and see. I was uh, teaching a workshop and talking to another instructor back over last summer. We were um, in Vermont, I think, New Hampshire. And she was like, if someone comes to me and they give me an amount, that's not, if they're an established magazine, then they will give you all of that stuff in the beginning. So they will say, this is what we do for a cover. Um, Smithsonian sends you a sheet and it's like, this is what we pay and that's it. If someone comes to you and they're like, what are your rates? I never, ever answer, ever. I mean, and that probably works out really well for somebody is to have flat rates listed. Um, but I, I never do that. I'm like, well, what's your budget? And we'll kind of go from there. And that's worked out for me a lot because then I know, like, you know what people are going to do. Then you get the low ball and then you go from there. Um, but I, I tell people, I'm like, I don't know if this is the right advice. Um, when younger people ask me, I'm like, but don't, <laughs> if they ask you for an amount, get their amount first. Because sometimes like that's when I was first starting out, I would be like, um, this amount. And they'd be like, awesome. And I'm like, crap. That uh, I could have gotten I feel 10 like, times more, right? Way, they said right. that way too fast. Um, or say they said yeah. yes, too fast to your number. You know, right. you kind of want it to be like, mm, maybe somebody else. Yeah. I mean, to yeah. some extent, I think that has to do with negotiating. It's also about your worth, but it's also about knowing the industry. You have to do your research right. and you have to have some friends that are going to be willing to share with you. And you also have to be bold to ask, yep. I think. I right. think that's the other big thing. So you got to talk about your process. We got like six minutes. Maybe we can go okay. a little over. Hopefully you won't mind. We Anyway, unless you just really have no, to go. I'm, got to it's, it's fine. We're all stuck in our houses. What else am I going to do? <laughs> so um. you talked, <laughs> when me and you talked before, um, you, we talked about your process and you said you right. had these things called cutting days. Yes. And I want you to tell us what that is. And then you said you brought a pile of stuff. I did. I brought a pile. Okay. So basically the gist is if I want to make a piece of art, I don't pick up a magazine and start flipping through it to find one thing. Um, I just, I get distracted and I can't find what I'm looking mm. for. And it's just a lot. So basically my process goes from. Una, show them your book real quick. Oh, actually I brought, this is my, um, this is my original copy and I brought it because I just wanted to, I forgot that she was in here. So I have a, um, a box of old pictures that I found that are my favorite things. Um, and those are the ones that I use just to make sure that there weren't any copywriting things. All of my images were scanned from um, the old photographs that I had. So that's another way to get around that and find you some people that aren't protected by, um, you know, copyright stuff. And you actually, I'm pretty sure, because I've asked a lawyer about this, uh, if you own the original photograph, then that means you're the owner of the photograph and you can do what you want with that photograph. If it's a scan right. of something else, you don't own that. But if right. you are purchasing it, so I bought images from Etsy that were real photos. I bought them. I have the real photo in hand. Mm -hmm. I own that photo. Um, you are protected there. It's just like if I own the Mona Lisa, 
I don't, people. I live in <laughs> Alabama. Awesome. <laughs> I, I live in a better house if I own the Mona Lisa. But I can use the Mona Lisa in whatever. I can put it in whatever book. I can give whatever rights to whoever, any art historian wants to, they want to put in a magazine. Right. I, I have that because I own the Mona Lisa. It's the same way when you own any painting or any original, if you bought it and if in your contract with that artist, some artists don't have anything like that. They don't say that they maintain whatever copyright. I don't know. I, I, I don't think know anybody thinks about it unless they're creating work for um, like corporate environments, like working right. with, with, you know, um, hotels and things like that, where you can either retain or not. But I, I mean, I didn't think about it before I started, you know, working down paths like that. Okay. Now show us your stuff. I just want okay. to, you can buy images, real photos on Etsy. You can buy them at garage sales. You can, you can find them at Goodwill sometimes. It's another like, good treasure hunt too. Yes. Okay. So I have a stack of um, hundreds of these. Um, so we go from this and the second step, some days if I don't want to like cut, cut, we then go to this. So this mm. is a stack that I have. And you've already gone ones, through I'll, the magazine and made some initial cuts. Out, okay. Initial cuts. And sometimes I'll find them and think, why did I, was it the color? I can't remember why, why I did it. Think, was it the other side? Did I mean to cut? Use the, yeah. Right. Yeah. It gets complicated. Um, but I, I see the image when I look through here, I see it again, multiple times digging through these. And then on cut days, it's when I want to be in the studio and build some momentum and can't really get into anything yet, mm. but want my hands on things, then I have cut days. So it goes from stacks to this, which is uh -oh, just- I dropped one. I dropped one. It's just people. Just and are you using exacto or are you people. scissors? I learned on scissors. Um, and so I, it's what I did initially for years and years. I use exactos for, um, straight edges. And if I want, if somebody's got their arm and I want to get like inside, mm -hmm. I'll use it for that. But as far as outlining, I feel I have more control with scissors. Um, I recently got a new, a new tool called an, um, Ergo Kiwi and it's like a wooden handle and it's got the blade tip on the end. So it's not just the, the stick of metal that you have to hold in your hand. And it's awesome. So I'm kind of learning What's on that. What's that one a called again? Too. I will write it down and I'll put it. I think it's Ergo Kiwi, E-R-G-O-K-I-W-I. -I. I'll put okay. it in my Instagram stories too. Oh, okay, um, great. A picture of it. It's, it's amazing. It's so fun. So after looking at these guys over and over and over again, I then can kind of get it, they're stuck in my head. So if I have something else, if I have a book cover, if I find something, then I remember, oh, I've got that lady doing that thing in the stack. So, um, so then I can kind of dig in and find her. And they'll sit in the stack for like a year sometimes, just waiting um, to pop back up again, like the lady looking through the set of holes yeah. on the piece, you know? She sat for a long time. Um, because it just, it's just such an obvious thing that she's doing. Um, it, it just, it took some time to come back around. So are those old National Geographic's or old magazines that you're going from? Yeah. So 
I really, and if you can see, this one's been around for a while because over half of its pages. Oh, yeah. And I'll go through them. I'll go through them a lot. So I will find things on like the fifth pass that didn't interest me the first four times, but then that one time I like it again. So um, I go through these a lot. But I like the color and the way that it's printed. Mm -hmm. And the ones from the 60s and the 70s. Um, I just, it's just what I'm drawn to. And also starting in the 80s, the paper gets too slick. So if you're doing um, any wet medium or layering, it, you know, it's coated so it doesn't absorb. Um, so yeah, anything in the 80s, I kind of avoid. And anything before that, over half of it is black and white, um, which is fun sometimes too. But if I'm looking for color images, then those like 20 years, I think are the best. They're my favorite. So I just want to say, and Paul, you're probably right on uh, art photography for sure. So he's, he said, I love that I have friends that will call me out. He said, I'm not quite sure about that's true, Diane. If I have an original, <laughs> if I own an original Ansel Adams, I don't have the rights to use it in other ways. The original photographer still retains the copyright, but you are free to cut the image apart and you um, then use, you get into the gray area issues of reuse. I agree. I guess right. I'm thinking about um, not like Olin Mills pictures. So that would be owned by the company Olin Mills, not the photographer. Um, right. Uh, but if you're talking about somebody at a garage sale, especially if you own the negative, now that's really when you, I believe, can do whatever you want and you do own the rights if you own the negative. So it, you're, you're right. It's a print. Uh, but like a uh, a painting, for sure, you own that only thing, more than likely. But you're right, Paul. Thank you. I did go to a, um, and Amy just put in a whole bunch of uh, funny text. I was like, oh, no, someone has hacked Amy's uh, thing. And Baird put in the Ergo Kiwi. So thank you. Perfect. Yay. That thing is awesome. I love it. Okay, so so back to as you, because you're talking about these cut days are days when you've tried maybe to make something and nothing's working and you start feeling bad about your abilities maybe, or that's how I would see in my head. That's <laughs> right. what I, and, right. Like, oh, no, I've, lost, <laughs> I've lost the, my jo mojo or whatever. I can't do it anymore. So then you just start cutting and you start building this. And so in the, in a day when you feel like you've got it and you're in there, you got an idea, then you just go through the piles that are already cut. Yep. Go through the piles that are already cut. And I brought, I actually brought some pieces real quick, just straight out of my home studio that I was making. Um, uh, probably not anybody else is going through this, but there's kind of a lot going on and I'm feeling kind of, you know, <laughs> um, so just all bound up um, and haven't really been working on personal work at all. And um, it's, it's a lot. So I went into the studio over the last couple of weeks and had, when it, I have my clipped images piles and I also have scrap piles where um, I've painted and cut out. So all these weird shapes and patterns that I've thrown into a pile and those all go in a drawer and, so sometimes I go in and just dump them all and then I regret it like a week later. Um, so I went in. You mean like throw like, them out or you dump them into a pile and have to go through them? I throw and throw out is in like edges of um, painted sheets mm -hmm. of paper. So yeah, yeah. Um, not like clicked images. So I got my clipped people pile 
and my scrap pile and started just kind of putting things forcing (laughs) position um and i've got probably and i don't have these scanned in yet these will show up on my instagram soon so you can see them a little better um but i didn't change the shape at all you just fit them together in their own little puzzle yeah fit them together that was one of the rules Oh, I love these. These are, this is like a whole new series. Yeah. And they're really fun. Um, Like I said, I'll scan them in, but it's just going back to, there was just too, I just felt too out. So Mm. I created parameters for myself just to kind of get into a little groove a little bit. Um, So yeah, no no cutting of the scrap pieces and just use the people I had in this one particular little pile of desk. Um, and there's a few more coming and those will be in my shop. I'm doing um, a lot of donations through my shop right now. We're doing a 50% cut um, with profits from these. I'll list them next week, I'm sure, but that'll all be on my Instagram page. Um, images and stuff like that on those. I want to make sure people know how to follow you, which is at on Instagram, it's Holly, H-O-L-L-I-E, Chastain, yes. C-H-A-S-T-A-I-N. And then on Twitter, it's Holly, H-O-L-L-I-E, Art. And then um, I've put in where you can buy it, um, not on Amazon. You can click on this, uh, probably a, uh, it says bookshop.org, but all these oh. will be under, probably an, a, a local or a smaller bookseller right so um bookshop um you buy anything through bookshop and they donate a portion of the proceeds back into um local bookstores so i'm trying to switch everything kind of over to them lately i love that and then you can always catch her at um hollychastain.com again holly's always spelled the same way it's the right way for Holly, right? This, uh, but it's not like a tree, Holly. It's H O L L I E. I love that you yep. spell your name, not just like the Holly tree, right? Um, yes. Okay, so I just so people are. It's that you are. I want to know how people are finding you. How editorial illustrations. How people are finding you to put you in galleries. How you so just in as you are trying to get workshop so that's one hat marketing hat and then you have another marketing creating artwork and getting in in galleries and then and selling that artwork and then there's another one that takes on commissions but in all of this you're creating art and you're posting it Um, clearly Mm -hmm. pinterest is a great place that you're not doing but you're clearly getting stuff from pinterest which is terrific there's there's a lot of my work on pinterest and i i do have a pinterest page I do not put any time into, I've just never gotten into Pinterest. I don't populate my own Pinterest page, um, but it ends up there. And most of it is tagged with me. You know, Pinterest gets a little, a little weird. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff is coming from Pinterest. Um, Instagram is, I get a lot of work through Instagram. Um, and then like every now a- and then on a regular basis how often are you posting because that seem if instagram is the way then that means workshops um uh selling art originals uh, or prints and then also getting 
client commissions, uh, illustration work, it's coming through Instagram. Um, yeah, for the most part. And, and a lot of, um, about every six months, I'll have a feature somewhere. Um, and that brings in a lot. And uh, was, I had a feature with Colossal, I think, um, back in January. Um, and so that brought in some jobs. Uh, as far as workshops, I think once you do, once you do a couple, you go on like lists somewhere and then um, you like are picked up. So the week long ones, um, I taught at Squam uh, last summer in New Hampshire and then was signed on to teach a week at Aramont in Tennessee in June and then was doing Penland for a week in November. Um, but now 2021, those will all <laughs> roll over if the thing's been pulled, um, which is obviously good but kind of a pain. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it seems to me like everything leads to something else, which seems like a very obvious thing to say, but I, I don't work incredibly hard at marketing at this point. Um, I just, just kind of put a lot of workouts um, and that's it. I'm not finding avenues or finding venues or pursuing. Um, I think I've just got a couple things in place and then it kind of snowballs from that. Well, it's also being approachable. It's um, being your, you know, people within your industry and you're being present. The other uh, thing is that you are putting work out like on uh, during a week, a regular week, how many days are you in the studio? And then how many pieces are you posting I mean you could have a, a, a week in the studio and you could make 25 pieces maybe but you're not right. showing all 25 that week more than likely right you're not right right I yeah just, you gotta hold back some to right so you get on the dry spells <laughs> sure no, that's exactly right um and I I have been posting a lot on Instagram um I guess since kind of since January February um I think just everything kind of stopped for a little bit and everybody kind of stopped to regroup and we're still kind of regrouping. And so all of my uh, habits are kind of skewed. So um, hmm. studios as well. So my studio is now split between three different places, I think. So um, it's just right now, it's just kind of adjusting to what a new day looks like. Um, you mean and, physically your studio is moved to three locations because you have right, to use your so dining have, room, your, your, cause your kids are in another space and your husband's right. Yeah, right. I have a small home studio here that is its own little room. We have a house that was built in the forties, thirties, and there was a kitchen and then a dining room, which is our office. And there's this little room in the middle, which I think was supposed to be like a little breakfast something, but it's got built-ins and it's perfect. I moved into that room, um, so that set up. So I have a, a little studio at home, and then um, I have a bigger studio that I share with a friend of mine, like across town. Um, so yeah, and I've, all my workshop stuff is in the back of my car because I was using it every month, so I just kind of carried it. But now no more workshops, so I got to find somewhere to put that. It's just very, it's very scattered, um, which is another reason I forced, kind of forced this new series because I'm like, I have to make something. This is just driving me crazy. Mm. Um, yeah. And that's why I worked with what was there because I knew if I was like, okay, I think in the car 
in this one bin, there's this thing. And if I started doing that, it would just fall apart again. So I just sat down and used exactly what was in front of me and didn't move for a while. Just like parented myself, art parented myself. I love that though. I think sometimes we, as designers, we need um, restrictions. We need uh, what constraints to help us. Yeah, and I think that I think was so a great con constraint for you. Um, okay. So um, your book is available. We're going to get it from the bookshop.org, which is the link. It will be underneath if you're on YouTube. If you're listening, it's underneath and all the more stuff. Uh, or you can always find it at rechargingyou.com slash 349. But I want to ask you the final closing questions. I know we didn't get through everything, but I super we'll love it again. And I really appreciate <laughs> it. Okay. Um, how do you recharge, especially in like a COVID when you do have to kind of figure out the new normal? You did right. have to take some time as a, a breather, right? But how do you, mm -hmm. how do you recharge normally? And is it different than how you're recharging now? Yeah. So the way that, um, one of the big reasons that this has kind of been a downer, um, obviously for a million more, but uh, live music is one of my favorite ways to recharge and to, um, mm. travel somewhere and see a couple shows. And with Nashville being two hours away, we were over there all the time. And obviously it's the last place that you want to be right now, like maybe the very last place. Um, so yeah, that's been, that's been kind of a downer. I've been um, driving around in my car with like really loud music. Um, that's like 15% of what I, what I really want. Um, but yeah, just reading um, anything that fuels imagination, like reading weird books and watching weird movies. We're diving into Criterion and just finding stimulus, right? Because mm. just, stimulus yeah. you know yeah um, yeah so that's that's the biggest thing just finding things I've never seen before um concepts I've never heard before just weird Russian like awesome amazing books like just finding new things I think new has been the biggest exploring right just being an yes. expert I love that yeah. so is there a quote or something that keeps that you keep close especially during tough times or something to inspire you motivate you um it's not really a quote it's more of a concept and it was it's it's almost like a very specific thing but I think especially now it can be broader um David Lynch who's one of my favorite guys always talks about how if you want to paint for an hour give yourself five um and I feel like it's very literal obviously you can't burst into a studio and immediately like everybody knows that feeling but also just blown out bigger is just to give yourself mm. some patience and some space and some grace, especially right now, just to um, be gentle on your brains and uh, emotions and need. I've seen, I, I get the good intentions, I obviously do, but I've seen a lot of people be like, this is art of times, you're stuck at home, make all this stuff. And I'm like, I get that, but also, that's a it's a lot like our brains aren't made to be able to process everything that's going on and then um output in normal ways much less heightened ways so just easy gentleness with ourselves right 
Right. Okay. So then what's next? What can we, so we just gave us a little tip, a little hint of the, this new uh, series. And then, and, and Paul says, people forget that being creative takes a lot of energy. Absolutely. Oh my God. It does. Yeah. A hundred percent. It really does. Um, next, immediately next, I am going to figure out online workshops. I've got a ton of people asking, a ton of people want to know, even just people who are new to mixed media asking about what strub substrates work with what adhesives, just even something as simple as that, that, um, you know, you don't really think about. Um, so that is, that's where my thoughts going to be going, like in the next week. Penland finally canceled within the last week, and that was the last big workshop for the year. So it kind of set in, okay, I'm going to figure this out. So I've got people from England and everywhere who, you know, would be interested in that. So that's, that's in the plans. We'll see how it goes. It's, you're going to figure it out. I got some couple people I want to connect you with, but I'm going to really quick close it out. Guys, you have a week and a half left to register for Creatives Ignite Camp. So this is my selling pitch. I'm not going to go super long, mom. She always is like, Ben, you really went on and on, Diane, for a long time on the commercial part. But just so you know, I've sampled 25 um, experts in our field. These are design experts as well as business experts. And it's talking to us about business of design. So it's about how to reach our ideal audience, how to retain those customers. And then um, there's work about mindset. So reframing those hindering mindsets that maybe don't allow us to have charged the right amount. It's also about where we're fearful about trying something new, um, uh, all kinds of things. Man, I've learned a whole bunch. I'm in a whole big fear hurricane I'm living in every day as I plan this out, but it's really going to be great. It's all, I, uh, one of my friends yesterday was like, man, I looked at the, there's a lot of people on this. And I'm like, yeah, there is a lot. And you may not have heard of all these people, but these people are sharing some gold. And I think that gold doesn't always live on the surface. So all these people that, oh yeah. And we've got, I've got some of those people for sure, but there are some people in there that you're going to be blown away with. And I'm going to announce the list and who it is, but there are giveaways. Remember, Smiley Graphics is one of our um, uh, sponsors, and I have giveaways. There's going to be Easter eggs. There's going to be fun things that you're going to find. Little Sparky, little Sparky, uh, here he is. You're going to find him, but he'll be in color. He won't be cut out. Um, well, because he'll be on a, in a video, and whoever finds him first is going to get win a prize and this could be anywhere so jacob over in slovakia it doesn't matter we're going to send it to you too it might take a little bit to get there to you but i hope you guys will uh, think about signing up it's it's a community event right we're doing this as the whole month of july can you de dedicate or commit to an hour a day monday through friday you have your weekends sort of Monday through Friday to growing your business. And then the community aspect for happy campers and trailblazers are people who want to come on Wednesday night uh, for Americans or Wednesday afternoon if you're in the Pacific, right? Pacific time zone. And then on Saturday, there's a place, a time so that the people in the UK will be able to come as well. The people in the UK are super excited because they've never done camp. 
And so they're excited. They're like, I don't even know what camp is. Of course, they say it in a really nice accent that I can't can't, uh, make happen. But I hope you guys will join me. I hope you'll be a trailblazer or a happy camper. And if you can't, you could be a day camper, right? We can... Hopefully we can do this together and grow our business. And it's a hundred back, hundred, hundred back, hundred back guarantee. It's a 60 day money back guarantee. You're not missing out on anything. I just want you to do the work and, and be present and do it together. Cause I think it's so cool when we can grow our businesses together. So the end, Holly, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And it was so fun. It was super fun. And just so you guys know, next week is a, community meeting i'll be sending an email about what it's going to be about and if you want to be on it i'll get 10 other people with me and then feel free i believe it's about what we're what we've been struggling with so if you want to come and talk about a struggle that you're in the middle of or or something like that we're going to talk about that that struggle so thank you guys and thank you holly